If you haven't already, you will find one of our study guides in your bulletin. If you'll take that out, feel free to grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack, and uh, we'll jump into our discussion this morning. Today, uh, we are going to be focusing our attention back into Psalm 119. We're going to be looking at verses 89 through 96. We made our way so far through the first parts of Psalm 119, now getting to uh, a passage of Scripture that has been the most meaningful. Now, before I've told you that, I've told you along the way, man, this is the one that's hit me the most, the most during my study time. Well, now, as we've made our way now to verses 89 through 96, this particular section is the new top-of-the-line section for me. It's just the one that's hit me in a very powerful way. And I'm really excited to share with you what is going to be presented from the passage of Scripture where David is writing. One of the things we're going to see this morning is that what, what David shares with us today is very much the difference in whether or not he was successful or a failure. What he's going to share with us today made the difference in him standing in the middle of difficulties, in the middle of problems and storms in his life, and him caving in and dying under them. Okay, so what we're going to share is very, very significant. This is very important information to relay. Therefore, what I'm thinking is that if you've got issues going on, you're dealing with problems or, or difficulties in your life right now, then this is exactly what you need to be listening to today. This is exactly where you need to be. This is going to help you and strengthen you in ways. If you will allow God's Word to work through you, you're going to see some noticeable changes. And you're going to find out how to turn what the world means for failure into blazing success for God. You're going to see this transition as we walk through this study. I also believe that if you have friends or family members who are going through difficult times, who are really struggling with problems in their life right now, that this is also where you need to be. This is going to be a study that's going to present information to you that will enable you to share with them, to help them in the process. I also believe that if you have friends or family, that this is exactly where you need to be. This is exactly what you need to be hearing this morning. Because at some point, a family member or a friend or even yourself is going to go through difficult times. And therefore, with this information, you're going to be able to say, let me tell you, let me show you how to transition from what the world means is failure to something that is incredibly successful in the eyes of God. Let me walk you through this process. Okay. Now, we begin... As uh, David opens up in this passage, the first three verses, and he shows us, number one, your first fill in. He shows us, he said, I want you to see my confidence. Number one, my confidence. I want you to see my confidence, where this confidence is based. You've got to understand something. David is going through a horrific time in his life. Okay, now we talked about this in previous studies in Psalm 119, but let's just review a little bit. David, due to his own sin, found himself face down on the dirt, ready to die. And in the process of this, as he was stretched out, ready to die, he had a recollection of something we'll talk about in just a little bit. And that recollection was reviving, it was restoring, it was strengthening to him. 
And in the process of this event, God lifted him out of certain death and set him down in a place that I would think, okay, well, he's been in the hard time. Now God's going to put him in something nice. God's going to take him out of this near-death experience and he's going to place him into this nice, serene environment to where now he can recover and he can recoup and he can go on with life for a little while before he hits another difficult spot. And yet the truth is what God took him out of this, this very difficult place, he then set him down in the middle of the fire. Set him right down in the middle of the fire. It just doesn't seem logical. And yet God was at work in David's life. He wanted him to understand these people who are attacking you. These people who were supposed to be your confidants. These people who were supposed to be your friends and your advisors are now turning on you. And they're criticizing you. They're trying to assassinate your character. They're trying to destroy your relationship with God and with your country and with your family. These people are here for a reason. Yeah, they're working for the other team, no doubt. They're working for the enemy of God. But they're there for a reason. God's allowed them in your life, David. He didn't sit you down in the middle of this by mistake. There's something really important you need to learn from this, David. Something so significant, something so valuable, the only way you can possibly get it is to be set down in the middle of the fire and what David came to the understanding was, you know what? What has become my lifeline? What it was, this recollection that drew me out of this death experience that took me to a place of, of reviving and strengthening, that's now carrying me through the difficulties in this life with the people who are trying to destroy me, literally trying to kill me. They weren't just trying to assassinate his character. That was on the top of the list. But they also just wanted to kill him. We're going to see that in point number two. They just wanted to kill him. There's a reason you're here, David. There's a reason I put you in the middle of this. Watch and see. And David said, I believe what it is, is God wanted me to come to a place where I understood the value of his word. The value of his word. And through this process, David gained a confidence in God's word. A confidence. Now understand, this confidence did not come in himself. David could have easily been a person who was very confident in himself. I believe he probably was, but that's not where he was putting his confidence. I mean, he could have had confidence in himself because he was an incredible warrior. I mean, this guy fought hand to Paul with a bear. It's not hand to hand, really, hand to Paul. I didn't know how else to say that, honestly. I thought about it, and I thought, that's the only way to say it. So I just said it that way. Okay, so he fought hand-to-hand with a bear, and he won. I mean, literally took a bear and killed him with his bare hands. And as if that wasn't enough, a lion came to attack his sheep, and the Bible says that he went out and grabbed it by the beard and killed it. Uh, this is a pretty tough dude, right? He, he then went as a teenager, and he did battle with a nine-foot-tall giant warrior who was covered in armor, had a shield, a sword, a spear, uh, had a guy standing in front of him holding armor. I mean, this was a pretty well-protected guy. And David, this little scrawny kid, went out with a slingshot and a rock and killed the guy. 
I mean, this guy could have confidence in himself. On top of that, he was sitting at the top of the world. I mean, he was the ruler over, over all of Israel, which, by the way, was the greatest power in the known world at that time. No one wanted to come against David. No one. If there was ever a person who could have confidence in himself and say, well, here's the reason I can stand through this, David could have easily been the one who said that. And yet what David tells us in the Word here is that, no, my confidence was in the Word of God. My confidence was in the Word. Now, what was it that brought such confidence in God's Word to him? I want you to notice that there are three things. You see a place for these on your handout, letters A, B, and C. Letter A, he said in, in verse 89, listen to what he said. He said, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. So letter A, he had confidence because God's word was firmly fixed in heaven. Firmly fixed. He could have easily said it's fixed. <laughs> it's taken care of. It's stable. It's there. But David wanted us to see that there was a semen effect that had taken place. That it was there, that it was unchangeable, it was unremovable. It could not be damaged by the, by the thoughts and intents of man. It could not be uh, tampered with in any way in order to distort what he had to say. God had placed his word in such a secure environment, in such a, in such a safe place, that David said, I can have complete confidence in God's Word because it will never be changed. How important that was. Because David was relying upon what God had shared with him through his Word. And if all of a sudden God said, well, I know I said that last week, but this week I want to tell you something differently. Then all of a sudden the confidence of David would have been destroyed. But David said, I have great confidence in your Word because your Word is firmly fixed in the heavens. It doesn't change. It's not evolving. It's not adjusting with the atmosphere or the circumstances of life. It is firmly fixed. And therefore, I have complete confidence. It's in that sphere which is raised above accidents of chance and change, and therefore, it is eternal. He said, forever, O Lord, your word is fixed in the heavens. But then he tells us a little bit more. He said, my confidence is in the word because it's firmly fixed. But then look at verse 90. He says, your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. So let her be. Your faithfulness is ongoing. Your faithfulness is ever enduring. Your faithfulness, just like your word, your faithfulness will never be changed. It's always here. Now, how important was that? Because in the Word of God, he gives us promises which David was holding to dearly. I mean, for him, the promise that God said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, was vital information. And if he thought for a minute that God was faithful to that back in the day, but now all of a sudden, well, he doesn't like this group of people as much, and therefore his faithfulness, well, it's just not what it used to be. And David couldn't cling to that anymore. But David could have incredible confidence in God. Because God was faithful 
to all generations. He had been faithful for thousands of years. And he's looking into the future, David, in a prophetic statement and saying, your faithfulness will continue to extend. Why? Because that's who you are. Faithful. We see that then in letter C. Because letter C says that this is exactly how you intended it to be. You know, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't some chance thing. Verse 91, he says, By your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. By your appointment they stand this day. God, this is exactly how you wanted it to be. And why did God want it to be that way? Well, first of all, because, as I said, this is the character of God. It is rooted, it is fixed in the very character and the very heart of God. It is unchangeable because the character of God is unchangeable. Therefore, what God said in one place will continue to stand in another because the character of God does not adjust. It is always there. It's exactly how he intended it to be. But also, it's how it int he intended it to be because God knew this was best for us. You think about it. God looked upon the situation that David was in. God had taken him out of extreme danger and set him right down in the fire. God knew what was going on in David's life. He wasn't surprised by it. He wasn't caught off guard. He wasn't sitting there scratching his head saying, Oh my goodness, why didn't I put him somewhere else? No, he knew it. God knew exactly what David needed. And what David needed was a reassurance, confidence in God's word that could only be found in the middle of the fire. And so God put him there, and what was best for David was that he learned this concept. And I can have confidence in God's word because God only does what's best for me. God only does what's best for me. In every situation, in the good times and in the fire, God only does what's best for me. He says at the end of that verse, verse 91, he said, For all things are your servants. All things, all the promises, all the decrees that you have made in your word are mine. All things, all these things that you have said in your word, I can have complete confidence in them. Because they belong to me. You know, I was just thinking about some of us. Yeah, I've had the, the opportunity to talk with some of you over the last few weeks and just hear what's going on in your life. And my goodness, some of you are really under the gun, aren't you? I mean, some of you are really going through times of fire. And one of the blessings that can come from this is the same thing that David gained, and it was a confidence in God's Word. One of the things that can be the greatest blessing to you in the middle of the fire is for you to understand the steadfastness of God's Word, that it is firmly fixed in the heavens. And for you to understand the confidence you can have in God because He endures in faithfulness to all generations. He never changes. And you can have extreme confidence because you know that what God is allowing you to face right now is absolutely what is best for you. How do I describe that? How do I explain that? Honestly, I can't. 
Because some of you are going through things that it's impossible in a human way for me to explain how this could possibly be best for you. I don't, I don't even know how to start that conversation. But what I know is that God is faithful in all things. And that his faithfulness endures to all generations. And therefore what he allows to come into life is exactly what is best for those who love him. David said, I have this confidence. But then David takes us to the next step. Point number two, the second main thought in our study. He said, I want you to see my confidence. And based upon my confidence, I want you to see, number two, my hope. I want you to see my hope. Now, once again, we find his hope was not in himself. He understood the seriousness of his circumstances. He understood that the people that were surrounding him could easily kill him at any given time. He understood how dire the situation was. And yet David in the middle of this said in verses 92 and 93, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. <laughs> David was redirecting his thoughts. You see, one of the things that the enemy wants to do is cause us to get our eyes on our circumstances. The enemy wants very much to get our eyes inward to where we're only looking at the problems of life. We're only seeing the difficulties that's happening in life. We're only seeing the things that can be so devastating and so horrendous in this life. And he knows if he can get us focusing on that, that he has won the battle. He understands that if he can get us focusing on the problems, if he can get us so deeply embedded in thought and all the difficulties and all the bad things that could happen and all the bad things that are happening, then he has significantly won the battle. And David is saying, yes, I understand what my enemies are up to. I know that. But I also have an understanding that what's really important and what's really valuable and what's really profitable in my life is that I focus on your word. Is that I stay that which is just going to take me deeper into darkness. I stay focused on what God has in my life for me. And not focused on the things that are going to destroy me. You know, this is a very exciting, a very wonderful truth, and yet it's also a very misunderstood truth. It's understood in the way that a lot of people will look at it and say, you know what, I, I get what David is saying. The Bible is like a magic lamp, and so if I have this problem, I just go rub, I pick it up, and there's my answer. And, and while there is truth in that, the Bible is where we find our answers, or at least where we should look for the answers. And by the way, if we look for the answers, the answer is there. What David is showing us is far more significant and far more important. David says in the, verse, uh, the first part of verse 92, he said, If your law had not been my delight. If your law had not been my delight. 
If your law had not been a way of life for me, if your law had not been that which was priority in my life all along, in other words, this wasn't something that he thought on the spot, hey, guess what I can do? Uh, Here I am, face down in the dirt. I need to go and find some scripture. No. Because David had lived a life embedded in God's word. David had made the Word of God priority for him. And as a result, when he was face down in the dirt, there was a recollection of the Word of God. There was a recollection of the promise of God that God used in his life to bring revival, that God used in his life to bring the strengthening that revived him and brought him back to a place of rightness before God. You see, God wants us concentrating and focusing on that which is valuable for us. And that which is valuable for me is not my circumstances. Not that I ignore them and hope they go away. No, I deal with them as anybody should. But I don't focus my heart there. My heart is focused on things above. My heart is looking to things that are more important, more significant, more valuable. God said, I want you to place your heart and your attention and your focus on my word. David said, because I have seen this, because your word has revived me in my darkest hours of existence, because I have come to have a hope in what your word has done for me, therefore, verse 94, he says, I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. I am yours. Totally yours, God. Now, once again, this wasn't just a statement. This was something that David clung to as a hope. And David was saying, God, I am totally yours. Therefore, I am your responsibility. Isn't that a pretty neat thought? Oh, come on now. This morning, I was listening to the radio on the way in, and there was a song by... Wow. Well, maybe some of you can tell me what the, this, the artist, when I tell you a little bit about the song. Michael W. Smith. Yeah, he, was, he was singing this song, and it's uh, apparently a newer song for him. I've heard it before, but not very often. And he says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I can imagine David feeling that way. David looking at the enemy around him. David looking at what was going on as these people were literally trying to kill and destroy him. And David saying, it may look like I'm surrounded. But the truth is, I'm really surrounded by God. It may look like I've got reason to fear. It may look like I've got reason to be afraid. But my hope is not in myself. My hope is not in my abilities to overcome my enemy. This battle does not belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. My hope is solely in Him. David laid it out. He said, I am so yours, God. I belong to you, and therefore, my hope is in you to protect me do what's best for me in every situation. And so he says, I am confident in the Word of God. I have hope in the Word of God. 
And it is firmly rooted in the fact, number three, that you are my refuge. You are my refuge. I want you to see, he says, my refuge. My refuge is not my army. My refuge is not my supreme fighting men. It's not my warriors who surround my throne. My refuge is God's Word. Verses 95 and 96. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Verse 95 again. Look at it and notice, if you will, at least from a human perspective, that the two parts of this sentence do not seem to go together. Okay, he says it the first. He says, the wicked lie in wait to destroy me. And my thought is that he's now going to say, but I have found a way to overcome that. I have found a way to battle through it. I've found a way to go to war. And yet what he says is, but I consider your testimonies. In other words, what we just discussed, I, I take my eyes off my problems. And I focus on what's important. My problem, as we saw a few weeks ago, may not really even be about me. It may be about what God is doing in the lives of other people. My problem, which seems so overwhelming and so difficult to handle, may not really be about me at all. It may be that God just has me here so that those for which I've been praying for years to come to Christ or to come back to Christ will see what I'm facing and will turn back to the arms of a loving God or will turn to Him for the first time. It may not really be about me. And I've got to stay focused. I've got to stay focused on what's valuable. I've got to stay focused on what really matters. Because what I desire in this situation is for God to get glory from my life. What I desire in the middle of this difficulty is for God to be at work in me For God to be my refuge. For God to be that place that I run to to hide. Because I have great confidence. And I have great hope. That he is faithful just as he said he is. So we look at what's been taught in these verses. And in my way of thinking, the next question is, well, what am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with this information? And I I just thought there's about three things that came to my mind. Number one, in my life, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be so thankful because God is faithful. You know, when difficult times hit, how vital it was for David and how vital it is for us to know that we serve a faithful God. His faithfulness does not depend on my faithfulness. 
And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that, that his nature, his character is faithfulness. And therefore, I don't question, well, will he be here? I mean, I really hadn't been that faithful. I really hadn't been that good of a servant. Is he going to be here or not? I really don't know. I don't have to question that because God is faithful despite whether or not I'm faithful. And it ought to bring me to a place of total gratitude. God, thank you. Thank you. And what I would do, number two, in my life is, is what I've determined to do is make the Word of God even more of a priority than it's been. I want to make the Word of God so important and so significant and so valuable in my life that when difficulties and problems hit, I'm not sitting here thinking, well, what do I need to do? My, my reaction is to go to God's Word. The, the very default of my life is that when I get into those times, the Word of God begins to ro roll through my head. That's what I want the Word of God to be to me. It's got to be a priority. The Word of God has got to be a priority in our lives. The Word of God has got to be a priority in our lives. Would you say that with me? The Word of God has got to be a priority in our lives. Say it again. The Word of God has got to be a priority in our lives. It's got to be. It's got to be. I can run to it in times of difficulty. I can run to it in problems. But if I've lived my life in it, if it's been a priority in my life, then God uses it in ways to bring strength and reviving that I cannot imagine until that time occurs. And so I make the Word of God a priority. The third thing that I can think of that needs to be done with such information is to say, you know what? I don't have that relationship with God. I'm not close to Him. I, I have either walked away from His will for my life. I've kind of gotten to a point where I just do my own thing. Or else I'd, I've never had that relationship with God. I've never started a walk with Him. And so today then, what you would do with this information is say, Okay, God, today I'm coming back to you. Or today, God, I want to, I want to know you for the first time. I want to know who you are. And you say, well, how do I do that? You know, if you want to just rededicate your life and get things straight, and you want to have someone pray with you and help you through that process, then in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to make my way to the front. And the opportunity then is for you just to move from your place and come and meet me and say, Tom, would you have someone pray with me? If you don't know Christ as your Savior and you want to understand what God's plan of salvation is all about, then my invitation to you today is when that time comes, when I've asked you to stand and the worship team starts singing and they're leading us in an invitational hymn, is that you just quietly move to the aisle that's closest to you and just come and meet me. And allow one of our trained volunteers to show you in God's Word how you can know Christ as your Savior today. If you'd like that information, we would love to provide it to you. So then what are you going to do with this information? I mean, what are you going to take with you? How are you going to use it to become more like Christ or to come to Christ for the first time?